Thank you, Darlin. So there's a technology person named Paul Graham. I wonder if you've heard of him. He's uh, he helps to launch startup companies. Startup companies. He helped to launch Airbnb, Stripe, Dropbox, Reddit, and several other multi-billion-dollar companies. He also likes to write essays. Paul Graham describes an essay as when you start writing without knowing where you are going. Essay comes from the French word for to try. So an essay is an attempt. Have a go. There's no guarantee that you'll get somewhere, but he finds that it is worth it. It often bears fruit. And this way of writing and thinking is a paradigm shift from the method taught in school of planning your essay in advance. So I am going to do today's sermon as an essay. This paradigm shift reminds me to get out of my usual way of seeing the world so that I can use my power to create a world with room for other ways. So here we go, a sermon written open-endedly. Now I'll still be checking my notes and I'll be making use of the meditating and pondering and daydreaming that I've done on this topic. And I'll make use of all the conversations I've had with people who are at various levels of freedom, which is today's theme. So I'm resourced, but I'm also letting go of expectations. I am opening up to make room for something new. I've shared a quote with you before from UU minister, Jack Mendelson. Mendelson says that for him, the essence of being a liberal is having a grating hunger for more freedom, more justice, more inclusion, more ice cream for more of Earth's people. And I added the part about the ice cream, but I think he'd agree. A grating hunger for more freedom for more of Earth's people. And Martin Luther King Jr. said that the greatest challenge is to get the typical good-hearted person to feel that grating hunger. So you struggle for years to get an education, get a job, hopefully get some savings, maybe move to the suburbs, and then it can be just too easy to sit back on the recliner, your dog at your feet, one hand on the remote control, a cool breeze blowing through. So it can be just so easy to sit back and think that life is good. You watch the news, you shake your head at the bad things happening in the world, and then Jeopardy comes on and you're caught up trying to remember the Latin name for a four-legged xenopanth. You just forget about the troubles of the world. So MLK was concerned about what, what you might call the complacent class or the distracted class. People who mean well, but who don't have that grating hunger to take action. Something that gives me hope is to hear stories of people who did have that grating hunger to take action. I think of the biggest injustice of all, slavery. Being forced to labor under abject and cruel conditions with all the benefit going to the enslavers. Slave camps throughout the South were full of this dehumanizing injustice. And three types of people felt a grating hunger to do something about it. The first type is the people who were enslaved. 
You can read about it in books like 12 Years a Slave, the will, the drive to escape those conditions and, and those conditions for all, the courage, the strategizing. Imagine the breadth of spirit needed to imagine that escape was possible, a different world was possible. Uprisings weren't just occasional, they were common. And slave owners were terrified that the righteous anger of the enslaved would rise up against them. And then an uprising did succeed in Haiti, and the formerly enslaved took over governance of the island. So what a victory. And imagine the hope that this would give you, trapped in a slave camp in rural Georgia, that liberation happened just a hop, skip, and jump away. Imagine the grating hunger that would be revived and renewed. So my image of American slave camps is not of broken spirits. My image is of human beings, strong in spirit, strategizing, picking their spots to fight, and singing full-hearted about inevitable liberation. So that's the first type of grating hunger for liberation the grating hunger of the enslaved people themselves. The second type of grating hunger is the grating hunger of people who were legally free, but who were wage slaves. It was common for poor white people to make common cause with enslaved black people in order to fight the dominant class. Virginia was rife with rebellions and insurrections. And poor whites and poor blacks did not have racial antagonism. Rather, they had class consciousness. They could see their common cause and they went for it. The righteous river of justice was gathering steam in Virginia. So the powers that be decided to shake things up. The powers that be decided to create laws that favored white people. Poor whites stopped thinking of themselves as poor and started thinking of themselves as white. And you can read the details in the book, The 1619 Project. So the grating hunger of poor white people was quenched by a taste of illusory power. As J.R.R. Tolkien showed, beware the power of the ring to make you lose your grating hunger to help your neighbor. The third type of grating hunger for more freedom is the hunger of those who are free and well-to-do. Life is good if you only think of yourself, but these people had a grating hunger to think of their neighbor, even if their neighbor was far away. When you think of the abolitionist movement, you might think of Harriet Tubman, who in her freedom chose to lead others to freedom. And you might think of some Unitarians who had that grating hunger. And the movement was far, far broader, both in the US and in England. So those are the three types of grating hunger for freedom. The grating hunger of the oppressed, the grating hunger of those who find common cause, and the grating hunger of those who have freedom themselves. So later this month, we celebrate Juneteenth. Juneteenth honors the day that the last slaves in the United States were freed. On June 19th, 1865, the army arrived in Galveston, Texas to force enslavers to release the enslaved. 
So what a day to celebrate. Juneteenth is especially sweet for the descendants of the enslaved. And it is, a, it is a day for all to celebrate, a day for all to feel the grating hunger for liberation, day for all to celebrate the end of slavery in America. I won't go so far as to say that Juneteenth celebrates the end of dehumanization. Enslavement ended, but people could be dehumanized for other reasons. In June, we also celebrate pride. Pride celebrates the humanization of everyone, regardless of sex and gender. And like Juneteenth, pride did not happen without a fight. In June 1969, police invaded a gay bar called the Stonewall Inn. A fun fact about the Stonewall Inn is that it was owned by the mafia. Yeah, so the mafia turned it into a gay bar, not because they supported gay rights, but because they could make more money by charging the clients protection money. And gay, gay clients didn't have other places to go. So the this, this story of liberation is complicated. And another complication in the stone, story of the Stonewall riot is that Marsha P. Johnson did not start the riot. Marsha P. Johnson did not throw the first brick. Marsha said she showed up later. Her friends said that she showed up later. The P in Marsha P. Johnson stood for pay it no mind. People would ask, what does the P stand for? And she'd say, pay it no mind. People would ask, do you identify as a man or a woman? And she'd say, pay it no mind. People would ask, are you straight, gay, bisexual? And she would say, pay it no mind. So when yet another person says that Marsha P. Johnson threw the first brick at Stonewall, I don't correct them. Instead, in honor of Marsha, I pay it no mind. It's okay to have that myth. And there is a touching documentary of Marsha P. Johnson on Netflix, both the joy and the tragedy. So that is two levels of liberation. Juneteenth celebrates the end of enslavements and pride celebrates the fight to live your life as you. Both are fabulous and we have a grating hunger for more. I'll speak for myself. I have a grating hunger for more and I hope that you do too. I have a grating hunger personally for more freedom for people with muscle conditions and other physical restrictions. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for people trapped in opioid addictions and other addictions. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for kids who have to practice active shooter drills in school. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for seniors who are trapped in loneliness. Grating hunger for more freedom for people trapped in the cycle of poverty. Grating hunger for more freedom for people who have to leave their home country and take refuge elsewhere. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for people whose brains don't work like most people, people who are neuroatypical. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for people who can't afford to live in a decent home in a convenient location. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for people who get trapped in an unjust legal system. People who don't have reason to trust the police or their neighbors to do right. 
of a grating hunger for more freedom for people feeling the effects of the racist system of the past and people feeling the effects of the racist system of today. I have a grating hunger for more freedom for people who can't wear what they're most comfortable wearing and can't hold hands in public with the person they most want to hold hands with. And the list could go on. That is a lot of grating hunger. We have a lot of work to do. Miguel de la Torre asks, do you fight for justice because you think you're going to win? Or do you fight for justice knowing you're going to lose? Because you are going to lose. We, our children and our grandchildren will live in an unjust world. So come to the realization that if you're going to fight for justice, it is not because you're going to win. Kilatore asks, so what do I do when it is hopeless? And I know I'm not going to win. And I just can't turn my back upon the world. When he's feeling hopeless and also feeling that grating hunger to do something anyway, Dilatore chooses solidarity with the oppressed, with those who are not feeling the tender hands of liberty. Solidarity with the oppressed. Now, Personally, I don't like the word solidarity because it sounds so solid. Uh, but I like solidarity when it means choosing to care about the oppressed, choosing to be in relationship with the oppressed, choosing to learn from the oppressed. So the UUs have six sources of wisdom. And for me, a seventh is learning from the oppressed. Solidarity with the oppressed means realizing that my liberation is bound up in yours. I started talking about, I started talking by talking about Paul Graham, and I'm going to finish by talking about Paul Graham. Paul Graham helped to launch many multi-billion dollar companies such as Airbnb and Stripe. He said that he didn't train people to be selfish, greedy, or ambitious. Because he said that in his experience, that type of person did not succeed. Rather, Graham trained people to make thing, Graham trained people to make things that people wanted. And how do you make something that people want? You talk with them, you get feedback from them, you be in relationship with them. Now, solidarity with the oppressed is not exactly the same thing as launching a billion dollar company, but they have in common that it is vital to be in relationship with people, find out what they want, and find out if your involvement is actually helping. We won't dismantle all of the world's oppressions this month. And we will do two vital things this month. We will celebrate Juneteenth and the end of slavery in this country, and we will celebrate pride in the fight for you to do you. I look forward to a happy Juneteenth and a happy pride filled with joy while feeding our grating hunger for more freedom for all. <laughs>